put knowledge to work. University of Illinois Extension. Welcome to another edition of Spotlight on Natural Resources. I'm Bill Wasner. With me is the illustrious Dwayne Friend. How are you doing, Dwayne? Wow, illustrious. That's illustrious, yeah. yeah it's, that's great. It's a nice uh, term because, you know, how are you going to define it? How, who's to say whether one is not <laughs> illustrious or not? It's a good title. That's right. That's right. So we're going to talk uh, as as we speak. The high today, where I'm sitting, is supposed to be about 98, and they're thinking it may well get up to 100. And what topic better than to talk about the heat index on a day like today? So tell me about heat indexes. Well, we've been hearing about this, like you say, for the last several days, actually the last several weeks. And it's something that the media reports on constantly. And I think a lot of folks don't really uh, understand, well, what the heat index is. And, and really, it's just a, a measure of, of two things. Obviously, it involves the temperature, the regular temperature. But the other thing that comes into play with the heat index is humidity or how much moisture is in the air. And what the heat index does is it, it adds that factor of humidity into the, what's called the heat index. And the reason we use the heat index is uh, it's, it's basically a, uh, a way to tell people if they should be concerned about doing some type of physical activity outdoors. A lot of times we, we hear the folks talking about, well, the, the feels like temperature is going to be, like you say, 110 or 115. That's not the real temperature, but what that's telling you is you need to be concerned. You need to take extra precautions when you're doing something outdoors. So this, yeah, I've heard that term as well. Feels like, is that the same thing as the heat index or is that yeah, some other? It's, okay. it's the same thing. And and what what the heat index does, or the reason we use humidity as, a, as another indicator is, um, you know, we, we talk about uh, the warm temperatures, and and I'll just ask this question. What do we do when, when we get warm? What, what's our body do? We perspire. That's exactly right. And See, that sounds classy. Again, it's all in the terms. That's it right. sounds nicer than sweat. That's right. That's right. Um, but when we have a lot of moisture in the air, uh, that evaporation that's supposed to take place because we sweat can't happen as readily because if there's more moisture in the air, then it's harder for that moisture on our skin to evaporate. And so if that takes place, if we if that moisture can't evaporate, then that can't remove the heat from our bodies, which is the, the reason we sweat. And if we can't remove that moisture, then our body's going to heat up. And so the more humidity that's in the air, uh, the less able we are to remove that moisture by perspiring and so it's more of a concern in terms of heat exhaustion and potential for heat stroke and and those types of of uh, concerns so if the thing it reminds you most of is the wind chill uh for the winter because again it's it mm -hmm. talks more about the physical reality or or how it feels to the uh, to the person rather than uh, a direct measurement of some environmental factor, but the the two aren't really calculated anywhere alike. Uh, you're exactly right. While the heat index uses the actual temperature and humidity, 
as the other measurement. Uh, with the wind chill index, what we're looking at is wind speed, because if you have a big wind speed, then you're going to have more moisture evaporated from your skin. And so your body's going to cool off more. And so in the wintertime, we're looking more at wind speed because we don't want our bodies to cool off. But if we've got a wind outdoors and what with those cold temperatures that are already out there, that's going to increase our cooling potential for our bodies and get to the point where it can cause problems in terms of of uh, being frostbite or, or those types of things. So with the wind chill index, we're looking at wind speed as opposed to humidity. Right. So now what about, what are the risks to uh, people that kind of flaunt this heat index? Like uh, what are the symptoms that we would expect to see in somebody that's suffering from either heat exhaustion or another term I hear is heat stroke? Okay, well, and actually there, there's, there's kind of a, a range of heat-related uh, physical symptoms that occur, and one of the first things that can occur is uh, muscle cramps and, and those types of things. If um, things aren't resolved quickly, that can lead more to a general heat exhaustion where uh, you can be nauseous, you can have a headache, you can feel lightheaded. Uh, at that point, you're still sweating. Uh, but if things, uh, if you if you don't uh, get cooled down at that point, things can then progress into heat stroke, and at that point, the body uh, gets so warm, and you've you've basically lost uh, uh, so much fluid uh, that you're not sweating anymore, and so your body temperature goes up even higher to dangerously high levels. At that point, you have to be concerned about. Uh, uh, not fainting or going into a coma, uh, and at that point, it's it's really a life-threatening situation if you get to to those temperatures. Then you're talking about uh, body core temperatures up around 104 to 105, which is extremely dangerously high at that point. And so, medical attention would be called for 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 something as serious as heat stroke. But what kind of treatments uh, are available other than, of course, you'd get out of the heat and into air conditioning? I suppose um, ice packs sound like something that would be a good idea. Um, yeah, yeah, and and um, yeah, you obviously don't want to get to the point where heat stroke is uh, is a concern now. For some folks, you know, the the uh, particularly the elderly that may not be able to uh, uh, regulate their body temperature as as well as others, or the the young, you know, infants and those types of things, uh, those are the uh, the folks that you really need to be concerned, particularly on the the sun or the heat stroke side of things, because a lot of times they can't uh, they they may not be able to help themselves as as uh, well as they need to, so. Uh, you definitely don't want it to get to the point where, where that's a problem, but obviously if you start feeling kind of nauseous, kind of lightheaded, you're sweating profusely, you're getting into those heat exhaustion uh, situations. So drinking lots of fluid, that's one of the big things. Drink you know, water, sports drinks, those types of things. Keep your fluid levels up. Getting into a cool area. Um, and if, if things get to the point where heat stroke becomes more of a concern, then yes, you've got to get them into a very cool area. You've got to cool them down with uh, cool water. If nothing else, just, uh, you know, cool uh, washcloths across them. Uh, probably for the elderly and, and uh, those kind of folks, uh, ice may be too much of a, a shock, uh, but obviously you do want to try to get them cool with cool uh, 
uh, washcloths and those types of things. Very good. Anything else we should be aware of um, regarding the heat this time of year? Uh, well, it, it's one of those things where, you know, if we have this for an extended period of time, we're, we're going to kind of acclimate, particularly folks that, that do work outside. Your bodies get acclimated to this. Uh, and, of course, you know, in today's world when we're, we're living almost constantly in air conditioning and those types of things, it does seem uh, pretty uncomfortable when we go outside, but actually our bodies can acclimate to these situations over a period of time. So, you know, if this continues, we'll probably uh, start saying, well, it's maybe not quite as, as bad as what it started out, but we still need to be concerned about those potentials for heat exhaustion and heat stroke. Those types of situations, even though our bodies may get a little bit more acclimated to it, those, those things still need to be a concern. You still need to drink plenty of fluids and, and make sure that you don't let your body temperature get too high. And also, of course, uh, the, the other thing that pops to mind is uh, be sure to uh, keep your pets well watered and um, never uh, let anyone or any pet uh, sit in an enclosed car. Um, that's, a, that's a really good point. And obviously, the pets, uh, dogs and cats, uh, those pets in particular, uh, have a more difficult time getting rid of body heat. Uh, so, yes, it's absolutely necessary for them to, to stay in, in cool areas. Very good. Well, for another edition of Spotlight on Natural Resources, this has been Dwayne Friend and Bill Wasner. Mm -hmm.